You're listening to Soul Work with San, where we journey through the needed conversation so that we can live, lead, and love better in this life. I'm your host, San, and fam, season two is not here to play with you. Now, all of season one, we took the time we needed to detox. So you had to get all that stuff, all that gook out. Matter of fact, if you haven't done your soul detox yet, pause this episode and start at season one. It'll be well worth your time. But for those of us who put that work in, now that it's out of our system, we've got some shaping to do. In this episode, we're talking formation. And I can assure you, this kind is much better than Beyonce's version. <laughs> you ready? Let's work. question. And I know, I know, I typically reserve those towards the end of the show, but I'm switching it up a bit to ask this right here. What, or better yet, who is forming you? Now, the truth is we're all being shaped, conditioned, and formed into something, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. For many of us, it's the hurry culture of our current age. And for others, it's the hyper hostile political climate that is divisively making its way through our families and long term friendships. By the time this podcast drops, it is probable that the winner of the presidency will be announced, whoever that is. It's also pretty clear that for some households, Thanksgiving and dinner time will never be the same. Now, we could go into discussion about how as a culture we've substituted politics for religion. But that's not why I'm here today. The question remains, what is shaping us? What is the driving force behind who I'm truly becoming? Now, if you're unsure of the answer, take heart. You're in good company. Everyone has been here at some point in time. It is something I'm actively working on and asking myself, San, who or what is shaping you? See, the answer for this question may not arrive easily. It could be hiding behind a myriad of Christian platitudes like, oh, well, you, you know, God's got me or I'm cool. I'm just waiting on God. Doesn't it sound really good? So much so that it feels really good, too. But here's the problem. There's this giant disconnect amongst believers because we're saying one thing with our mouth, but our patterns indicate another practice is at work. And it's costing us not only our witness to the world, but our own opportunity to heal and have peace of mind. Yo, I'll never forget several years ago, I came across the devotional writings of Mr. I'm never holding back Oswald Chambers. <laughs> if you know him, you know what I'm talking about. He had a devotional book called My Utmost for His Highest. I was so enthralled with the phrase, I thought I was going to tattoo it on my arm one day, you know, so I could show how deep, spiritual and cool I was. Ah, the joys of young thug Christianity. Anyway, moving on, one of the entries he wrote, it shook my understanding of my faith at the time, shook me to the core. See, Chambers explained that in the process of doing work for God, we can actually end up missing him entirely. Wait, what? 
You mean to tell me that all my singing, shouting, sermon prep, service attending, speaking in tongues, policing folks' clothes, shoes, and hairstyles, going to all the services, staying for all the meetings, setting up, breaking down, cleaning up, cooking the meals in the kitchen, making snacks for the kids in VBS, because who remembers them flower-shaped butter cookies with the red punch or the Tampico or the Sunny D? You know what I'm talking about? Putting up with funky deacons and miserable ministers, all while laying hands, tarrying in prayer service, prophesying to my neighbor, and still making it to rehearsal on time. All of that? And shout out to my fellow born and raised in the church crew, if you know, you know. You mean to tell me all of that ain't the point of my faith? Son, are you saying that you can busy yourself out of becoming like Jesus and into spiritual boredom or worse, becoming a Pharisee? Because Lord knows nobody likes being busy like a bona fide Pharisee. It keeps them from having to actually deal with themselves. But let me move on. I'll get back to that later. As a body and culture within the American Christian context, we're used to performing and completing tasks to show our dedication and commitment to our faith. But what if there was a better way? Like what if our process of sanctification which is simply the act of being made holy through your new life in Christ. What if it was more our time spent being with Jesus than doing all those things in his house? And this is why, this is why right view of formation and spiritual disciplines. It's so crucial to me because you could legit work yourself right out of freedom and back into bondage. And there are people who benefit best when you have this faulty mindset. Now, I'm not interested in addressing that today. Maybe one day I will, but today ain't the day. I'm more interested in us taking this journey to discover who would we be if we didn't have to perform anymore? Like, who would we be if our gifts were no longer our security and validation blankets, but were actual sacrifices of joy to our father? Who would we be if we really came to grips with who we are, all of who we are, right? Including the shadow side. And we determined that from a place of being well-loved, we could actually heal and change and then help others heal. Like what if through knowing God, we truly came to know and love ourselves? Fam, this episode is an invitation to take this journey with me. We've collectively experienced enough loss and trauma in this year alone to last a lifetime. And I've seen enough people defect from the faith in the past few years to know that perhaps it's not the Bible that's got it wrong, but it's our understanding of what it says that's creating disillusioned disappointments. And that's what's making us walk away from our only true love. It must be said again, bad theology can ruin your life for the rest of your life. It's time to develop a scripturally accurate understanding not just about our spirit's final home, but about our soul's present well-being. I don't know about y'all, but I need this more than ever for these times because the fortitude that our soul needs will be found in how it's formed. And who better to be formed into than the ultimate model, our savior and friend Jesus. John 13 talks about this. He set before us an example. It's our responsibility to do what he did. And nobody, I mean, nobody was more secure, self-aware, compassionate, humble, peace-filled, joyful, or loving than Jesus was. Fam, he washed the feet of the man that betrayed him. He didn't wait until he left and was boss enough to tell him, hey, what you doing? 
hurry up. <laughs> who, who could do that but him? Now, these are the attributes that we want for ourselves. But if we're doing the opposite of what he did, we will never walk in what he has. Practicing the disciplines is the opportunity to live as Jesus lived. It's a life lived out loud. It's an adventure towards the ultimate sign of Christian growth and flourishing. And that's love. So why spiritual formation? Because most of us, many of us, were anointed, gifted, and talented. And yet we lack the maturity needed to face the demands of life. So we've got people who can sing us happy, but they go home miserable. And folk who can preach and teach and bring heaven down. And yet they're living in hell in their minds and make the people around them pay the most. Bad theology will keep you bound. Now, I've been diving deeply into the work of people like Pete Scazzaro, Ruth Haley Barton, uh, Dallas Willard, John Mark Comer, among many others. And they found transformative power in contemplative or contemplative spirituality. Rufus and I had a little spat. Is it contemplative or contemplative? Either way, contemplative spirituality. Now, don't freak out. You might find that it's more Christ-centered than some of the false ideologies and idioms we've clung to based on tradition for all these years. Now, hear me healthily. This is not a competition of denominations or any of that. It is simply a chance to broaden our view to understand the way of our early church fathers. They practiced their faith this way. So consider it a history lesson if it if broaden uh, bothers you, because I hear a church mother now, uh, narrow is the way. You talking broaden. <laughs> Sorry, mother, just trying to learn. Now, so far, I'm finding this to be a more holistic, simple, yet spirit-filled approach to understanding the scriptures, understanding our rhythms, and leaning into the life of Jesus. So buckle up, because over the next few episodes, we're going to go on a journey of examining the disciplines and then we're going to practice them ourselves. Now, to be clear, we do not put our trust and hope in the practices themselves. They are not the answer. Jesus is. We're simply using these practices as a way to create an atmosphere that's conducive to the healing our souls needs. I'm going to put it another way. Shouting. It's not enough. It matters. Hear me. I love to cut a step just like everybody else. It is necessary. It is a part of my personal mental health plan. But I also know that when you get up from the flow, you fix your wig and you sip your water, there is stuff in the soul that still needs to be worked out. So prepare yourself because as we shed some of these layers of past pains, insecurities and the need of other people's approval, it's going to get very uncomfortable. Many of us have held these mindsets of ourselves and how things happen to us, why things happen to us. We've been holding on to that for decades. But don't you think it's time for something new? That old wineskin perspective isn't working and it hasn't been for a very long time now. But let's imagine that despite the discomfort, Jesus invites us to let our guards down so he can pour the new wineskins that he desires into our lives. This will open us up to understanding our true selves, which will help us get to know him. And this is what will stop the charade of using our gifts and talents to distract from our inability to be with ourselves and be with Jesus and be completely satisfied. So what's the end result of a journey like this? Well, there is no end. In this walk, it's a beautiful flow of grace and truth. 
but our aim is love. It may seem ridiculous, fam, but it's true. If we are both to follow Jesus and be more like him, then the greatest sign of this will be our love life. John talks about it in his letters. Paul talks about it, but nobody talks about it quite like Jesus himself. He literally makes it a new command in John 13. And if we're his followers, then it becomes our joy to love the hell out of people like he's doing with us. I didn't cuss. Play it again. (laughs) So now coming on down to a close, what do we know? That we're all being formed by something, whether we're aware of it or not. We know that practicing spiritual disciplines and engaging in contemplative rhythms, it could be the pathway to both healing and developing a deeply intimate relationship with Jesus that our soul needs. We also now know that we can rest from performance and overworking ourselves into a frenzied pace. We've been given an invitation by Jesus to be with him, to become like him, and then to be with others. So we're going to look at what it means to have a rule of life, which Rue and I have been developing over the past few months, and we found it perspective shifting. We'll be learning about practicing Sabbath. And no, it doesn't mean that you're a Seventh-day Adventist. We are simply taking one day a week to unplug from the pace of culture, to rest, delight and reflect. And fam, it's been a game changer. Like even my kids know now. Oh, we're practicing Sabbath today. Yes. And they love it. We'll learn about the power of solitude and silence, letting God do the talking our soul needs to hear. And we're also going to learn about our need to slow down. And we'll take a look at what the benefits of a daily office prayer rhythm can be and how it can also enhance our intimate moments with Jesus. And we're going to take back meditation. Yeah, like I understand all the different ways and postures people choose to empty their minds in attempts to find something filling. But uh, I want to be like David and sit on my bed and fill my mind with the glory of his splendor and the praise of his excellent works. Now, I'm going to stop before I get happy, (laughs) but I can't wait for those moments. I want that kind of time with him. Who's with me? Fam, I'm so ready. I don't know what to do. Now, Rufus calls me sister disclaimer, and I don't care. It's true sometimes. So catch this last one. Formation is not some form of feel good copy and paste for the soul. I don't simply download Jesus into my heart so that he can upgrade my life and make everything better, faster and stronger. That's not how this works. I was talking through some of my notes with my dad and he said it this way. Formation is not about me being formed in Christ. It is the act of Christ being formed into me. Thanks, Pop. It's the invitation to take on his mindset and think like he does, like Paul advises in Philippians 2. It's the literal ability to be conformed into his image like Romans 12. It's the act of bringing all of me mind, spirit, and body into submission to his lordship. Now that involves exchanging my idols and settling my old mindsets from how I was raised. Pete Scazzaro refers to this as moving back to go forward. He also discusses the importance of examining the patterns of our family of origin and dispelling any negative legacies that we've picked up along the way. Fam, we fit to do some deep work. But we're exchanging all of that for his way of life for our lives. It is spectacular and heartbreaking. It is joy unspeakable and pain beyond words. But it's the invitation to know him truly, both in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. 
most of all, it's being with Jesus. Because the more I'm with him, the more I'll become like him. And the end result of being like Jesus is love. Y'all remember that example I used in one of the first episodes with, with Sweet Sugar Mama, the senior? That's my new name for her. Versus Mean Old Myrtle. I know you remember Myrtle. Consider this simple example a demonstration of formation. Because both characters did not arrive to their place of character or lack thereof by accident. One was being formed by Jesus and his ways. The other was being formed by their flesh and the ways of the world. It's not hard to guess which one was more satisfied, content, and fulfilled in her life. But the better question I ask myself and I pose to you is which one will you be? And that's it. That's my here's my question for the show today. Who will you be? Because the truth is, we're all being formed by something. And here's the good news. You get to choose what you're formed by. Fam, thank you for letting me be with you today. Now, if this brought you any value, I would really be honored if you'd subscribe to the show for more soul-hitting episodes delivered freely to your device each week. Check out our website, soulworkwithsan.com for more thoughts. We're on Facebook and IG. Hit me up at IG at San Pope, S-A-H-N-P-O-P-E. <laughs> Almost forgot how to spell my name. And if you found the show useful, please share it with a friend. Would you do me a favor and leave a review and a rating? If you can, it helps to spread the show to more people. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Now hit me up. You can email me hello at soulworkwithson.com and let me know how you're doing because I do want to know. Let's heal, fam. I'm with you, reps and sets. We're in it together. Now remember, you're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. I love you. Talk soon.